and welcome to BTC Radio. I'm Kevin Mitchell, founder of the Business Travel Coalition and your host. Our guest today is Christopher Dane, president of Hickory Global Partners. With more than 40 years of experience in the travel and airline industries, Chris is one of the most creative, innovative, and effective leaders and executives you'd ever want to meet, and a great guy to boot. Today, we will discuss a wide range of issues, from the recent passenger service meltdowns on United, American, and Delta, to U.S. major network carriers' political war against the Gulf carriers, the withholding of access to transactable airline ancillary fee data, and Lufthansa's 16-euro surcharge for tickets purchased outside its direct channels. It's an honor to have Chris on the show today. It was great seeing you last week in Boca Raton. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kevin. First, let me let me thank you for all that you do for both the distribution channel and consumers in general. You and your team just do an incredible job of educating our, our government regulators and the public at large of issues that are really important uh, to both constituencies. Thanks, Chris. I really enjoyed the Hickory Global Partners Conference in Boca Raton last week. The enthusiasm was palpable. Your members were animated about the content. Can you tell us a little bit you know, background-wise about Hickory and what you hoped to accomplish, what your goals were for the three-day event. Sure, Kevin. Well, first of all, you know, without trying to sound like a commercial, we're a membership organization. We have about 1,500 members worldwide, and most of which are in the U.S., uh, but we also are in 29 other countries. We, um, we focus, our market is generally the, both the travel management companies, TMCs, and the CTDs uh, in, in the U.S., as far as uh, the products that we offer them, we have products that are basically in three verticals. One is our hotel program, uh, discounted hotel program that they can make available to their clients, uh, an airline program where they have uh, are offered the opportunity to earn point-of-sale commissions at the time of ticketing, and thirdly, ancillary products which are designed for either to save them money, to bring them new technologies, and be the first to recognize new technologies for them to put forth for their clients, and as as to the conference itself, you know our goal was to is to educate them and and let them network. So educating them on what's going on in the hotel industry on a worldwide basis, up to and including you know what is the demand for hotels, what's in the pipeline in terms of new construction, um, uh, from an airline standpoint, what are the issues that that we are collectively dealing with, um, both domestically and internationally. And thirdly, our ancillary products, just to educate them on what they do and how they can help their business. And I think we accomplished all three of those things last week. Well, there were quite a lot of very happy members that I spoke with during uh, the course of the three days. Chris, the, the, the stories about airline customer service meltdowns, at this point, it seems like in every other day, you know, event. In the aftermath of recent massive consolidation of the industry, is this the new normal or... Will the airlines be able to fix these problems through self-help or alternatively, just like the tarmac delays, is, is the government going to have to intervene here? Well, I think, you know, where we're at today is, is analogous to where the banks are during the 2008 uh, global financial crisis. You know, they have gotten or have become too big to fail. And that's frankly driven by uh, the government allowing both the consolidation and the joint ventures that have occurred. Uh, over over the last you know ten years or so, so they really have become too big big to fail. They're an oligopoly. Uh, you know, there's 
no other industry I can think of off the top where there's that kind of consolidation. So it is too big to fail. And when you get that big, you know, there are certain things that they just can't help themselves from doing. And if you go back and you used a great example with the tarmac delays, that was a problem that was a recurring problem uh, that the, the government finally intervened. And while they had a little bit of a problem adapting to the, to the new rules and regulations in the first year, you know, they would proactively cancel flights, or probably a little too aggressively. But they've certainly learned to, to live with those new rules and regulations to the point that you really don't hear about, you know, tarmac delays anymore. And, you know, now today... You know, certainly no airline wants to be regulated, and we'll go to great lengths to talk about airline deregulation um, and and how it is supposed to free to behave any way they want. But I think tarmac delays is a classic case of where they could not help themselves, and the government had to intervene. Some of the things that concern me today, you know, on what's going on, uh, not the least of which is having less leg room, making the seats smaller. And I think there's going to be a time when the government's going to have to, again, intervene. I certainly would not want the government intervening on terms of, of, of price, you know, let the free market set the price levels. But certainly for some of the, the quality service standards uh, that, that, you know, we've come to enjoy uh, and want to maintain in some respects, they're going to have to get involved um, to set the minimum standards. Yeah, you know, the tarmac delay, I, I testified in Congress three times against government intervention until, you know, 10 years had gone by. And the airlines are doing the same thing with these service meltdowns as they did with the tarmac delay. They say, oh, it's it's an infinitesimally small number of people affected. Well, if it's your grandmother uh, who's 85 or 90 years old on the tarmac in Houston and the plane is there for six hours and it's hot, that one person, I mean, we're a country that sends out fire trucks to get cats out of trees, for God's sakes. You know, so arguing that there's only 40,000 denied boardings a year, that's really a, a bad way to go about your, your public relations as far as I'm concerned. Well, you know, I too, I too, Kevin, was very much against the government regulating the tarmac delays. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm basically a free market kind of individual and let the marketplace, you know, uh, determine you know, the products and services that they're willing to, uh, to buy and pay for. But some of it's gotten to a point now where, you know, there are health concerns with limited leg room in terms of, uh, uh, you know, in terms of long distances and, and concern for blood clots and what have you. So I absolutely believe that there is, you know, there is going to be a time when the, uh, they're going to have to intervene, as they did the tarmac delays, and quite frankly, rather effectively. Yep, I agree. I agree. Now, let's talk about the the U.S. major carriers, the network carriers, Delta, United, American, and their political war on the Gulf carriers. Are your members concerned about this, and, and what's your overall take on this? Well, Kevin, as you saw last week at the conference, we had some of the Gulf carriers, uh, as well as some of the low-cost carriers, uh, participate in the conference, the Norwegian um, being a, a primary participant. And, you know, they clearly have a high regard for their service quality, uh, for their airplanes, for their aggressiveness in growing. And, and um, you know, so they, too, are very concerned about, you know, any more consolidation or any more limiting of any kind of competition. 
have to tell you, I've been up to Boeing the last two summers, uh, and co- coincidentally, and had a uh, an, an airplane tour of their of their Everett facility, and that's where they make the triple seven, the seven eighty seven, the seven forty seven. And in both trips up there, uh, last summer there was only one plane on the tarmac that was scheduled to be, be delivered to a U.S. entity. Ironically enough, that U.S. entity was the U.S. government. And it was the K-46 or the 767 derivative that they're using for in-flight fueling. Uh, the rest of the planes, and there must have been 30 of them on the tarmac, were all geared towards uh, international carrier. Not one American carrier had an airplane that was awaiting delivery. And I think that was pretty telling. So even in the, with the notion that, that, uh, that they like to tout that the... Uh, that there are jobs at stake here and that they're costing jobs. It was pretty clear to me um, that they are actually creating jobs. And, and when you look at, you know, I've really enjoyed listening to all of your, your uh, webinars, and it's pretty clear even down to your, the, the Orlando example uh, that you had on the air on the impact of jobs in the local area. So it's, it's a microcosm of, of what is going on. And frankly, you know, if there was such dastardly things going on uh, with the Middle East carriers. There's a formal process for them to protest. And, you know, as you have pointed out so many times, they have not availed themselves to taking advantage of that opportunity, which I find uh, interesting. Well, you know, they cannot point to a single lost job. And of course, they cannot point to any consumer harm. And consumers are the North Star when it comes to aviation policy. And here's another thing that I think is important about this Gulf carrier competition. We, as we talked a few moments ago, the the industry, domestic industry has been massively consolidated. So there aren't that many, you know, competition remedies out there. But in, in March, and this is a good example, in March of 2014, Emirates began service to Boston. JetBlue is their partner. On that very day, that Emirates began service, enabled by the passenger feed, JetBlue was able to mount competitive service in the Boston to Detroit market. And that was a monopoly market, of course. Average fares came down 40%. And I asked their CEO, JetBlue CEO, is this a one-off or are there other opportunities? And he said, we can enter markets that we wouldn't be able to in a million years. It's There's a lot of opportunity, he said. Well, I, I think it goes to the heart of while the big three certainly uh, have been the ones that have been the most visible in, in, in saber-rattling, if you will, uh, about the Middle East carriers, you have airlines like JetBlue, Hawaiian, FedEx, UPS, Atlas, British Airways, and others who do not, do not feel that way. And what makes the British Airways argument interesting is that they have a joint venture with American. So, uh, and in fact, have received investment from some of those carriers. So, you know, I, I think the argument is, 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 is frankly somewhat disingenuous. I would agree. Chris, since 2008, nine years, the airline's very best customers, these are corporate travel managers, government travel managers, university travel managers. They have demanded ancillary fee data so that their travelers could see, compare, and buy ancillary services in the same transaction as the base fare. The airlines have ignored those demands and without any repercussions in the marketplace. So as the, as it stands now, is this, in your view, a, a functional or a failing market? Well, I, I think this is a classic case, you know, again, like the tarmac delays that the free market, you know, has failed and, and consumers want to compare price. 
And the price includes more than just a ticket on an airplane in, in many cases. They want to know what else it's going to cost them to get on board. And the reality of it is I think this is one of those areas that the government is going to have to intervene in order to have perfect information for the consumer to choose from uh, so they know what they're buying and, and what their costs uh, are going to be. I agree. Um, what do you think needs to be done specifically, if anything? Well, uh, clearly, you know, they need to have, the, those ancillary fees need to be at the very least available at any point of purchase from from anywhere a consumer chooses to purchase a product, be it online, uh, be it through a travel agency, um, you know, through whatever mechanism is out there so they can they can compare price and make an informed decision. And again, I think it's going to require the government intervention uh, to make that happen because We've certainly had, to your point, nine years, uh, and that has not happened. And, and to this day, as we, as we are talking today, you know, corporations really don't have a good handle on what they're spending on ancillary fees. They have no clue as to you know, what other options are available. They're forced to take uh, what is shown to them. And so in the case of Southwest, there are no bag fees. But when you compare it, if you're sitting in Dallas, for example, where both American and Southwest enjoy large hubs, you know, they don't get a chance to get a, a true picture of what the fare and, or the price of travel is. Yeah, that's true. And, and another aspect of this, Chris, and we spoke about this down in Florida, is that unlike virtually any other consumer-facing industry, when the airline industry was deregulated, in the Act, there's an entire section on, on the public interest uh, directing the Department of Transportation to look after low fares and efficiency and ensure there's greater opportunities for low fare carriers to come in. So when Delta and perhaps other carriers withhold data, let's say from these meta search companies, or as we're talking about with ancillary fees, the DOT has a responsibility to weigh in there and, and get that problem fixed. Yeah, I mean, I under, yes, I, I couldn't agree more, Kevin. And certainly, you know, there may be some operational issues from an airline standpoint, and I get that. Uh, but at the very least, that information should be absolutely available in looking at the full price of travel. For example, you know, when you buy a car, you get to see what the price of that car is up to and including the destination charges. That's a part of the purchase price. Well, so is checking luggage a part of the purchase price. And, and I can make an informed decision. You know, I may want to go on Southwest uh, because I'm checking bags, and I may want to go on American uh, because I'm not checking bags. But the consumer today has no real way of knowing that. Let's switch gears now to Europe for a minute. Lufthansa has been surcharging 16 euros for ticket purchases that don't occur in their direct channels on their website, for example. Is this good for the end customer, and where do you see this heading or perhaps not heading in 2017 and beyond? Well, I, I like it in Lufthansa, $16 euro charge to the, uh, the old classic Coke debacle of, of many years ago. It is a product in search of a problem. Uh, the reality of it is, you know, Lufthansa has several problems, none of which are addressed with the 16 euros. Uh, they have a, an employee problem where, where they have numerous strikes. They do have a low-cost carrier incursion um, in, into their marketplace. This does not deal with that at all. Um, and they have people, uh, competing hubs competing against them, um, which, for which they perceive are likewise lower costs. The, the problem I have with the 16-euro cost is it, it gets into to content fragmentation. And, again, it goes to the consumer um, 
being able to pick and choose what they want to travel on by having perfect information and having all pricing available. You know, if you go to Lufthansa's website, okay, they're not gonna, they're not going to tell you Americans' prices on competing markets. Uh, it is only going to be about them, and so so that's problematic from a content standpoint. And so therefore, the way the GDSs have treated it in their displays, it is basically a price increase. So you know, I'm not sure what they're trying to accomplish. It has it has not seemingly been effective in North America, and in fact, would have been even more devastating for them in North America had it not been for their united joint venture. Because under the the joint venture rules. I can book a Lufthansa airplane using a United flight number and not have to pay the 16 euros. If that rule didn't exist, then then their impact, the impact against them would have been even more serious. So I understand that, that, that airlines want to be in contact and deal with the customer directly for those people who want to, but to force the rest of the industry to do something that, that is not needed is, is just troubling to me. Chris, in Boca Raton... Uh, Norwegian Air Shuttle was very, very happy with the arrangement it enjoys with Hickory. How's that work, and what are the benefits to all parties, and are you looking for similar opportunities with other foreign carriers? Well, today we have airline programs with 17 carriers. Norwegian is one of the newest ones. Our, our arrangement with them uh, is, is a net fare kind of concept with them. They have been very pleased on the reception that they have received from our membership. In fact, uh, when we first launched it, they were almost overwhelmed by people participating uh, and booking Norwegian. And, you know, they're a classic case where where they look at the business differently. They're, they have become leaders in that industry. And, and, you know, they're expanding in markets that would never, ever in a thousand years get air service if it weren't for them and you know they're really great people to work with very dynamic uh, and they just look at the world differently and that and and that has helped our members immensely let's talk about this electronics ban the ban that says essentially anything larger than a, a cell phone has to be checked there's a meeting coming up in Brussels on Wednesday between the United States and the European Commission to look at this to discuss this what is your take on this ban if it goes into place? Well, the ban as it is today is troubling in and of itself because it's not clear why the ban was instituted. Uh, you're clearly, you know, if there were to be a terrorist attack, all you're telling the terrorists to do is, I need to go to another airport. And of course, now the rumor is they want to expand that uh, to all European travel. Uh, and that poses several problems. One, while the ban has already had a profound impact on, on the Middle East carriers to the point that Emirates has had, to your point earlier, a uh, 20% reduction in flight schedules to the, to the U.S. So right away, you've impacted the demand on travel uh, to and from the U.S. You've reduced the number of uh, opportunities and competition on to and from the U.S. Now, if you expand it, you know, there are many companies that will not allow, allow their laptops to be out of uh, control of the individual traveler. So if this were to happen, um, it will have a, a an immediate and dramatic demand on international travel to and from the U.S. Now, if you look at international travel over the last five years, that has historically been the fastest piece uh, segment of travel uh, on a global basis. 
And so that demand will go down. It will have an economic impact, and it's not clear, or, you know, why they're do why they're doing or considering even expanding the ban. So it will be very problematic. You'll have companies that that because they don't allow their laptops out of sight, they won't allow them to travel. They'll have to make alternative arrangements. It will be a huge inconvenience for them, and so they'll elect. You know, not to travel unless absolutely necessary. And then when they do have to travel, you know, they will have to make arrangements to give them a blank laptop or have laptops on either side of of, of where they're going, so they can conduct their business. And and, and so there will be a a significant uh, uh, overall economic impact and demand impact on travel itself. And the, and the DHS and the TSA haven't really given us too much information to make us feel that this is really necessary. And I think that's a problem for, you know, everybody in the value chain that's going to be impacted on this. Absolutely. I mean, it it impacts airlines, it impacts the consumer, it impacts hotels, car rentals, restaurants, you know, anything that touches travel uh, will be impacted by this ban. And it's already being impacted today with the existing, albeit somewhat limited, ban, but it is it has already had a profound impact on the on the Middle East travel. Yeah, and we have to remember that a lot of this travel is sales related, and if you're not traveling and you're not meeting face to face, I can't imagine anything other than a hit to the number of transactions and overall economic activity. Well, uh, no doubt, and that's just on the corporate side. You know, you expand that ban, it will likewise have a, a, an equally dramatic impact on leisure travel because all you're doing is raising the fear factor for travel, uh, and that's not what we're trying to accomplish. What we're trying to accomplish is to putting in safe practices that, that can ensure uh, the travel for anyone um, to go between countries. And and so this is really very, very troubling. And, and while it is widely rumored, you know, uh, I'm concerned as to where it's going to go, and it almost seems to be a little bit out of control as we, as we talk today. Chris, for travel management companies tuning in, if they want to explore joining Hickory, how should they proceed? Well, if they're, if they're a TMC or a CTD, they just go on to hickorytravel.com. There's a form they could complete, gives a profile of, of who they are, what their business is. Of course, they can learn about what we have to offer. And, and that form will come to us, and we will follow up uh, uh, with them with, with a phone call after, after receiving that. Well, Chris, thanks uh, so much for your many insights today. Thank you, Kevin. Always a pleasure talking with you. And again, thank you for all the work that you and your team does. Well, that's it for this edition. If you would like to see someone special invited on the show, email me at mitchell at businesstravelcoalition.com. For the entire team here at BTC Radio, thank you for tuning in. 